Welcome to the Brick Business Show, where we talk about Lego investing, Lego reselling, entrepreneurship, and how people all around the world are using the thing that they love, Lego, to create an income and build a business. What is up, everybody? Welcome back. And I'm so pumped for today's episode. Finally, Fred, I get you on a call. Yeah, Um, it's good to be here. Bricks is here, and uh, yeah, we've been we've been chatting for quite some time, Fred. We've never actually chatted, so or sorry, we've been chatting for quite some time. We've never actually talked face to face. So I'm excited to have you here. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's, it's good to be here. You know, I've been a big fan of your channel as well. Been watching for probably you know good seven eight months now since I kind of like got more and more into uh, the Lego journey again. And uh, yeah, it's been quite useful watching, and uh, it's nice to see a lot of the people you've had on the chat before also people that i've been watching as well so it's like a nice community of people that like all interjecting between everything right. so it's been a nice to see that all yeah yeah and i so uh, fred and i were just chatting before we went live that the last couple of of live streams that we've done uh we've had some bricklink sellers on here and uh, you know in my opinion it's a good way to bring in bricklink content into the brickbox um channel uh, because of course i do more lego investing but Fred, you bridge the the gap. You 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 help us to transition between the two, right? You've got you do Bricklink. You primarily did Bricklink before, and now you've started to do more Lego investing. So you know, I, I'm excited to talk a little bit about how you think about both worlds. You know, how your business kind of um, prioritizes one over the other, and how you how you think about sourcing in each each area and different things like that. Yes. So. Let's kick off with, um, and real quick, you know, as you're viewing, feel free to drop comments um, in, in, you know, comments below uh, for Fred. Um, let's kick off with a bit of background, um, Fred. I guess, like, for anyone who hasn't seen your channel um, on YouTube where you document your Lego journey, um, how, do you, how did you get started in Lego? How far back does it go for you? So I would say, first of all, it's like I've always been a fan of Lego, right? So I built Lego when I was a kid. And I've always been into Lego probably since I was about five years old. And um, I'm originally from Belgium. I had a big room there, much bigger than here in the UK. <laughs> Lots mm. of space. I still wish they had the house that my parents lived in back there. So because that would have been amazing with a huge basement. But unfortunately, we don't have that. Right. And I kind of played with Lego till like I was about 14, 15. And we moved to Spain. And then I came to university. And my parents sold all my Lego. I was gutted, right? Because it was oh. a, a lot of Lego and i've always been a fan and kind of you know always played with lego and then obviously in my early 20s i had other priorities and kind of went off lego i uh, didn't really follow it too much and then kind of got back into it i would say about 10 years ago when they started with the modular buildings so uh, I've, um, my first modular building was the the fire brigade i'm oh, still nice. a big fan of the the modular buildings and I started buying the sets and then I started, you know, trying a few mock builds. So I've always been familiar with Bricklink. Um, and um, about three years ago, I bought this bulk Lego and my missus was like, you're not having that in the house. I don't like other people's mess. So it was like stuck in the garage. Right. <laughs> so I was like, I left it in the garage. And then she's like, what are you going to do with this? And I just kept it there. And I was like, when the COVID hit, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just sell it. And maybe I'll um, I'll sell a bit of Bricklink, start doing that. So uh, get rid of it that way because it would probably be better value. Okay. And then I started to realize how much some of these parts were worth because I started doing, you know, looking into it. And I was like, hold on a minute. I bought this box for like 30 quid and it's now like a hundred pounds worth of Lego. I'm like, wow, this is quite amazing, really. It's like an eye opener. And the thing that really opened my eyes as well were like minifigures. Now, 
I've never been a big fan of minifigures or like kind of like when I built them, never paying much attention to them. Um, because although even though I like Star Wars and things like the movies, I'm not a huge fan in terms of the Lego sets from like building them. So I never really experienced like the high value minifigures, but then when I saw them in some bulk, it really started to think like, wow, this is quite eye-opening, right? So and then I decided, okay, I'll I'll do this used Lego, this bin, and I started watching videos online from other people doing bricklink and started like learning, seeing how people did it and, you know, what to look out for. And, um, you know, when I do something, um, I don't do something half-heartedly. I go all in <laughs> or nothing. And and every time I start something new, my missus, she like braces herself, right? She knows something's coming. So initially I started in the, in the living room and I had these cardboard boxes, really. It was not efficient whatsoever, but as you know, that was my method of starting. And I had all these poly bags and I parted out a lot of the, the newer sets I was then buying because I found it was a lot quicker to part out new sets versus used sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also wanted to always to, to buy sets with a view of investing them and holding them for the future because I knew that was a lucrative business as well, right? The only downside I had was space and, um, you know, it's, it's money that's tied up and you don't know when you're going to get it back, right? And that was my main concern. So that's why I initially started. Let's do Bricklink. Um, a, I get to know more about Lego sets and get to do it day to day. I can, you know, eventually build a YouTube channel as well, which I did and, you know, bring content on that and actually build a community. And I've met a lot of people, not face to face, but virtually uh, where we discuss all things Lego. And I've learned a lot from other people and been given lots of insights. So I think I continue to learn every day. But with that thing, I then started to, the money I was generating from uh, Brickling sales, I started to reinvest in a mixture of buying uh, sets for investment, but also sets mm-hmm. for to parting out. And then eventually I we converted this garage into this Lego room so I could move out from the living room because at one point I had 100,000 bricks in my living room. And uh, I think, wow. my, <laughs> yeah, that was when I'm, I was at my missus was having enough. Uh, so we moved into this room in January. And uh, now we're at a push now of about 235,000 pieces in here. And I've got a storage unit as well where I keep all my Lego sets for investment. So there's there's about 450 sets in there. Now, they're all still in boxes, uh, waiting for a lot of them for retirement. But that's mm-hmm. where they've been kind of like stored. So I'm now at the moment where I'm just waiting for the retirement to kick in so I can really start selling. I've sold a few Um Mm-hmm. already but a lot of them are not listed at the moment so a because i don't really have easy access to them in terms of they're not like on on racking on everything they're just boxes and they're they're in good condition but it's just that i haven't sorted out properly yet to to do a quick uh delivery so to speak yeah and the great thing with you know i guess lego investing in general versus some other items that you might resell you know is sometimes the listing like listing them fast it doesn't matter all that much, right? Unless you really need to try and like get the cash flow back. Yeah. If you miss this Q4, you'll sell it in January. You'll sell it in February. You know, yeah. like value will, will rise. So yeah, like at the end of the day, listing stuff with Lego investing, it you know, yeah. it depends on your cash flow really. Yeah, I have a it, couple. It, it is very yeah, different right? though. If you're looking from a, a parting out perspective, you do want to be one of the first ones to add bricks, especially minifigures. I've noticed like right. when I started. Uh, you know the marvel minifigures have just come out um i had a few of the boxes quite recently quite early on when they came out in september and i started putting those on ebay and those have been flying off the shelves like very very quick i couldn't keep up and then you, you couldn't really order anymore very quick enough so it was mm-hmm. uh 
sometimes it pays off to be quick as well with listings, but I think it's more about mini figures and uh, parting out things like that. But from right. Lego investing, yeah, I mentioned you, you can um, leave it till uh, whenever you feel like it's ready, right? So I, I tend to yeah. look at it from an ROI perspective. I'm not going to go shoot from the moon like uh, big, huge ROI percentages. I mm -hmm. think that's my strategy early on is to be conservative because I'm still at the learning phase. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's the way I, I would think it. about it is like you know a lot of other items and you know um, a lot of other items on Amazon particularly have this price war. You know that will, mm. happens on all marketplaces, of course, but. Amazon can have this crazy, crazy price war and race to the bottom uh, is what a lot of sellers would call it. And, you know, it happens in in most other items, even private label, you know, people who import items with their own brand and build their own brand and they import them from China or overseas. And, you know, they're they're creating a brand around this thing. Then someone else joins the listing, creates a brand that, or a, a product that's similar, and they still end up with a race for the bottom. And the beautiful yeah. thing about Lego sets is that the supply cuts off right and then you have you know it can't race to the bottom it has to go up so it's it's fantastic so you you, you said a few things that i really want to go back to so firstly when your parents sold all your childhood lego did they get a good price <laughs> oh no there was uh the well they sold the house with all its contents in it and they kind of couldn't be bothered to pick it out it was whilst i was at university and they thought oh well you're you're 19 years old now you don't need to play with lego anymore i'm like well it was still a lot of valuable Lego there. So it was, uh, and recently I did a video of mine. I'm looking like at old Lego sets from like the eighties and nineties. And it kind of like took me back. I was like, yep, I had that. I had that. I wish I had that. Like I, I had the Lego monorail. Right. And I'm like, I wish I still have the monorail. That's like a set and the, the, all the nine volt trains as well. So things like that. That must really kill you, man. That must yeah. really kill you. Being so into it now, like you, yeah. Must really, yeah. And then, now that my parents are like, I told them that I'm getting back into Lego. They're like, Oh, yeah, you used to have a Lego city. I'm like, yes, I know I did, but yeah. <laughs> you know what happened to it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, like I'm I'm really lucky that I gave away all of my childhood toys except for my Lego. And Lego okay. was what I was most into. So somehow I just had the like I I had my parents put it away and nobody saw it again until a couple of years ago. And then you know it's still there. So I still haven't opened it since then, but you know, someday I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, and so your your living room being full with a hundred thousand bricks. It wasn't like, full, but it was quite. It took up uh, quite a lot of space. <laughs> I had cardboard boxes full of Lego. That's hilarious. And what year was this? This was before you documented the, things on video. No, this. Well, I started my bricklaying journey in uh, June last year, June twenty twenty. So oh, that's between, it. So between June and um, January this year, till I moved into this room, right? So. I've literally gone from uh, zero to 230,000 bricks uh, since June last year. And then also the 440 so or so sets uh, in my storage unit. But now I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at the moment now where it's like, okay, I am steadying the ship. And um, it's, I must admit the last month was the first month I had positive cash flow. So I've been right. investing every time I'm, you know, putting a lot of my own money in it as well. Mm -hmm. But I believe in it and I can see it's it, it's going the right way. And now it's like I'm still waiting for that, those sets to retire. So I've got like that safety net, right? And for me, it's all about but buying safely, right? So buying at the right price for me is, is my strategy. So it's yeah. all about uh, finding the right deal at the right price and doing your research as well, right? Um, you know, my day-to-day -day job is a procurement manager. So I'm all about purchasing and negotiating 
unfortunately, I can't really negotiate online uh, for Lego. But uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, I, 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 can, I can spot a good deal when I see one, and it's, it's the one thing that I I enjoy doing as well. I, I don't mind spending my time on it, and that's the thing I would say about this investment journey as well is it's something I'm passionate about. It's not something I'm going to get bored of. It's not something I'm going to give up anytime soon. You know, I come home mm -hmm. and the first thing I think about is like, I want to get into my Lego room, just get stuck in and just yeah. work on the Lego. And that's why I also enjoy the bricklaying because it is a day-to-day -day thing as well. See, this is great because like, I, I really believe that everyone brings a different skill, you know, to the Lego investing game, right? That, you know, it could come from your day job or an interest that you have or something like that, that you can tap into as a kind of a, a competitive advantage a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, because we are in the middle of investing and e-commerce and reselling, right? Lego investing is it's both. It's a reselling business, an e-commerce business, but it's also you need an investing mindset and understanding of, compounding and growth over time and you know and return on investments and different things like that then like you know having a bit of a financial kind of uh backing or a little bit of it like uh, if you think you know financially or you're financially conscious you know how to go get good deals and protect your you know your your investments with a margin of safety that's the way warren buffett would call it mm -hmm. right a margin of safety it's a massive advantage i i think you know so coming into it like that and being you know i will buy good deals and I can't go wrong then, right? I, like I can't make bad decisions if I buy at a low enough price because the, what's the worst case scenario, right? It only grows 10% instead of 100. Um, and my worst case my scenario is, uh, my worst case scenario is that I part it out and I add it to my Brickling store. So that's my plan B. And I do actually have a finance background, so I've got a degree in finance, so it does help. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes total sense. And then you've also got the data. So you're bringing data to the conversation as well, yeah. so, you know, which again, like is another kind of a, in my opinion, a, a strong, a, a real strength um, in this game for sure. So when you're thinking about your, um, your buying then, right? So you mentioned, you know, you buy as low as you can and then you can just part it out if needed. Does your part out. Um, so I guess, firstly, what's your part out um, requirement? Are you a two X or a three X? Typically a 3x, which is quite hard in the UK compared to the US, I would say, because uh, right. it's typically lower. But what I've noticed the difference between the markets is that we tend to get more discounts regularly in terms of like 30, 40% on like sites like Amazon, because Amazon price match a lot of the places elsewhere here. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in the US, you get big discounts when it's like clearance deals, whereas here we get it more often throughout the year, I would say. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a, and also there will be exceptions when I see certain sets that have lots of good minifigures and have potentially a lot of, um, you know, new parts or parts which I feel are going to be wanted or colors that are going to be popular. Those are the sort of things that I'm going to be, you know, after. Uh, and it's not always about the the part out of value. So uh, if if you watch my channel, people will know that I've got this top 10 of all the best sets by part out of value. And the number one is a set that I'm actually not buying myself. And it's uh, it's Lego Dots. Uh, purely the fact is that because I see so many dots online and there's so many people that have it, it's going to take forever to sell. So, yeah, you might buy one or two, but I don't see that as my strategy of just adding more to what I need. Right. So uh, there are some people who, who love dots, but for me, it's uh, I'll have some, but I'm not going to go all in and I'll, I'll look something for that I think is going to sell. The one thing I have also learned is that. Um, when you promote a lot of deals, you got to be aware that other people are going to be buying on the same sets and they're going to be adding the same stuff to your store. 
and you're going to be, you know, the market is going to have the same pieces. So you're not necessarily going to sell them quite quickly. Um, so then it becomes a matter of size and scale. Are you the biggest or are they going to come to you first? So it's having the variety as well. Right. Yeah. And so is there an element of when you're making those decisions for buying for BrickLink, um, is there a crossing point between, you know, what makes a great uh, investment in your mind and what makes a great part out set in your mind? And do you try and play in that cross? You know, it's, it's yeah, it's like a judgment call I make, and it kind of look at the set whether you know, you know, you guys talked about like desirability and collectability, things like that. If it's going to, you know, appreciate and value. But one thing I look at, let's say a set, and what is it? Let's look for a hundred percent ROI. Let's double it in price, and how does that compare to the part out value currently? So that's how I look at it. So. Because part out values have a trend of going down over time, whereas, uh, you know, reselling is going to go a higher price. And the investment said over time, at least that's what we all hope for. Mm -hmm. So I kind of look like is when it's doubles in value, is that going to be already close to the part out value or not? And if it's nowhere near close, I'll just part it out because it might make more sense just to part it out. Um, but other sets, which I think like, yes, this is going to double in money quite quickly. Let's just... Uh, hold off and then uh, there's not point parting it out right like star, like star wars sets i'm not necessarily going to part out unless they have minifigures or i might just part out a few of them and keep a few um for investment purposes as well so sometimes it's a mix yeah and does i guess the some of those considerations for part outs like minifigures and the influence that minifigures can have yeah does that make you lean like when you're thinking about an investment purchase does that make you lean toward those sets as well or would you like would you invest in a lego art set for example that doesn't have minifigs if it didn't have a great part of value would you buy it for investing investment or no uh, i bought one purely because it was a great deal because <laughs> right. uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I bought it for uh, i think it was half price 57.50 here in the uk so i was like well if it's half price you might as well give it to me i'll take it right so uh, half price trumps all so I was like, yeah. worst case scenario, I part it out. Oh, and I bought some of the, the the Mickey Mouse ones as well. Again, it was pretty much half price as well. So I got a few of those in storage. And yeah, as I said, worst case scenario, I part them out because mm -hmm. it, it, it will hit my three to one requirement as well. So um, Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're buying for investing, do you also, you know, if you get a damage set, are you kind of, okay, we'll just part it out now? Or, you know, yep. is it kind of a contingency plan beneath your investing business as well to have your BrickLink store there? Yeah, I had an example. Uh, you know, here in the UK, we can also order from Amazon, not necessarily just in the UK, but from the continent as well. So from Europe, I often order from Amazon France, Amazon Germany, you know, yeah. all the different Amazons. And it can be quite beneficial to order from uh, abroad. And um, I think it was in, in January, February, I, I bought some of the Ducati motorbikes from a really good deal from France. I think it was about 35 pounds and the retail price is 55 in the UK. Mm -hmm. So it's it a very nice discount, but this was just after Brexit, right? So I'm just wondering if the French got really angry with us. So they just decided to damage <laughs> a lot of the boxes, uh, but it's just probably just coincidence. And uh, when I saw the boxes are like, these are not in a reselling condition. And right. I knew it wasn't a three to one, but I was like, let's just part them out. And to be fair, a lot of the parts have sold. So um, it, those are the sort of things when I look at the box, if it's got a minor dent or anything, I will always like communicate if I sell it, if it's a minor dent or things like that. But if it's damaged with like, you know, clear openings, I'm not going to sell it. And I just took the decision to part it out, okay. even though it was not my intention in the first place. I was thinking about this, you know, and like, you know, I've 
obviously considered um, BrickLink a couple times. I dabbled a little bit. And, you know, one thing that has always struck me about it is that point, right, that it is such a contingency plan um, to help with or to complement a Lego investing business model. You know, because not only would it be, you know, for damaged sets that arrive, you could just part them out. But also, you know, if you ever had a leak in your storage, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to part out every single one of those sets, right? It's going to be a great kind of a... Claim, claim insurance first, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The second thing you'll do is part out all those sets. So there's, you know, there's there's a handful of different kind of real benefits aside from obviously the, the less obvious benefits, like, you know, all of that knowledge that you would get from being a Brickling seller, because honestly... Are there many people out there who know Lego better than someone who's operating a Bricklink store? Probably not, right? There, it's it's yeah. it's deep knowledge about Lego. There, and, there is a steep learning curve, I must say. When I first started learning, even just the basics like the colors, right? You're like, what? You know, to me, this looks like brown, but then it's like reddish brown. It's like, wow, what in the east? And then you find out wow. that Bricklink have a different naming convention versus Brick Owl, and then you're like, wow. So it's even more complicated, and mm -hmm. then even though Lego stores, like the Lego group owns Bricklink on their website, the colors are different again to uh, what they have on Bricklink. So there's, there are actually websites where I have like a color list to check now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot. And like the different, you know, honestly, Bricklink is, it's a very different, like in general, a different e-commerce business model than yeah. that sets, right. There's different skills that you need to have. There's different, you know, like, like a lot more patience, a lot more um, dedication, I would say, you know, and, and um, consistency, things like that. There's definitely one thing I want to highlight to people who are thinking of becoming a Bricklink store, because I've often seen on like Facebook groups and people thinking that this is like a, a quick, rich money, making money scheme. It mm -hmm. is definitely not. It needs a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of space. And as I said, I've only just uh, was cash flow positive last month. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a, uh, it's got to be treated as a hobby, but if you want to do it successfully, you got to treat it as a, as a business, right? So I do as a hobby, but I, I operate it like a business, if, if that kind of makes sense. So I enjoy doing it, but I've got like my ways of working and, you know, it's, it, I got to stick to my principles for it to be a success because otherwise you are just throwing money at it. And I've also got the challenge that I've got two boys who love Lego and they look in this room and like, oh, it's nice. And I'm like, uh, out of here. That's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that first year because, um, you know, it's it's baffling to me that, you you know, you scaled so fast, right? You really did. So, um, and, be, you know, being cash flow positive after, it's just over a year, right? It's about, what, yeah. you know, a year and a quarter. Yeah. Um, that's not abnormal, right? To to spend that long kind of in reinvesting in a business. If you're, you know, if anyone who watches decides to go and open a brick and mortar, it could be a lot longer before your cash flow positive. Um, at what point, I guess, did you feel like, yes, this is going to work? And how was that ramp up? You know, was there any point where I think you it was quite, or anything? I think it was probably after about six months when you know, start really started seeing this the sales come in. I think it was like November. I think it helped a lot with the lockdowns as well and the Lego stores not being open. Mm -hmm. So you started to get really good revenue numbers. And that's when I started thinking about buying, you know, sets for investing as well, right? Because I would have been a lot more cash flow positive a lot earlier on if I just focused on, on BrickLink. Uh, it's purely the mm -hmm. fact that I've been buying sets for investment that I have it's taken so long as well. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I, I really wanted to ramp it up quickly because I saw, I saw the potential. I also understand that you know you need that lot count to to drive the sales as well. So you need availability of um, 
a lot of different kind of pieces. And you can do that with used pieces quite quickly without too much space. Uh, but used takes a lot of effort um, versus like new parting out. So the good thing is that, as I said, I got kids, they like to help out. The wife actually quite likes sorting things as well now. So she doesn't, she's she's already mentioned, if you want to do this like full time at some point, how about you make me do this first and uh, I'll quit my job first. I'm like, oh, okay. No, no, no. She sees yeah, it that way. She sees it as her way out of her job. <laughs> That's fantastic though. There's so much interest in it yeah and trustworthy help which is fantastic no no it's 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 and as as early on i pretty much saw that is um is definitely a model that can work um because lego is growing everywhere right now the only concerns that um you know i had early on is that anyone can do this so there's a lot of competition as well and this could become a race to zero as well if people you know keep adding parts and on you know some elements the parts are going towards zero as well right so or there's so many parts available that you'll just be sat on stock forever and that's for me is why it's important you got to stick to that three times ratio rule because i'm pretty sure you know some of these bricks that are here in my store are probably never going to sell mm -hmm. unless you then start putting it as in a bulk buy and then starting as you know bulk lots on like a car boot sale or, or something like that you know yep. or on a mark facebook marketplace so you, you can do those things if for slow moving stock but you got to take that. It's not going to be selling at the price that you want it to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, it's a good, it's an interesting point about, you know, potentially kind of getting saturated on BrickLink. And I would not have that concern if I had confidence that, you know, the, there was a ton of marketing behind it, right? Since Lego group took it over, um, you know, you would think that they could really kind of leverage it in different ways. And Lego, obviously Lego sales, as we saw in, in the last couple of weeks, have gone through the roof since 2020, right? And I thought 2020 was a banner year for, for Lego. Now it's, you know, they're beating it, which is really kind of surprising. And interest in general has, has gone through the roof. But, you know, fans, new fans of Lego need to go a layer deeper before they start to see the world of mock building and ordering parts. And a lot of them probably just, like, they would be consumers on BrickLink but they just don't know it's there. Like a no, lot I, I definitely agree. People here, I would say in the UK, it's probably even less so than in the US. In the UK, many people are not that familiar. Although we do have, I think it's around 1,200 stores in the UK alone. So there's quite mm -hmm. a lot of stores for about 60 million people. Uh, but, you know, people go, go places like eBay. You know, people sell like bricks on eBay and people go there uh, for, for Lego related things. And I find like my minifigures, I get maybe a few minifigures I sell on BrickLink uh, versus like hundreds that will sell on eBay, and 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 the pricing is higher on eBay than it is on uh, on BrickLink. So people just don't know the details where to go to, or just it's not promoted, right? So it's there's definitely a lot of potential for BrickLink to grow. And do you know do BrickLink release any numbers on website traffic over time, or you know consumers over time that would hint that because we you know can, we you can see that per part and per set like you, sales you can, volume. You can check overall. the number of users they're on there. I think people have mentioned. That. I haven't looked it up, but you know in the chat from uh, from our group that we have, it's like people have mentioned oh, this is how many users there are on BrickLink. So there's quite a big user base. It's just mm. whether or not they're all active or not. I don't know, right? So you can yep. create an account and it could just be there, sat dormant for uh, a decade. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we could look at probably Google Trends data and stuff like that and see, like, yeah. are people searching for BrickLink a lot more now than before? But, you know, regardless, I'm sure it's it's growing in popularity, but the seller side will also be growing in popularity at the same time. If Delego Group do push some marketing budget into BrickLink, I would feel sure that, you know, being a seller on there is going to have a, a bit of a boom. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. You know, I, I think their priority is probably push their own. Um, you know bricks and pieces on their own website that's what they're pushing uh, a lot of that comes from the their warehouse in poland and so obviously they've got an agreement there to do all the picking and everything so for i see that they see that as their main money making because it's all centralized they got full control over it and dealing with lego you know that they like control right and they <laughs> they like their own ways so i don't think they're just necessarily going to put it in the hands of potentially hobbyists and damaging their reputation because I would say probably 95% of all the sellers on BrickLink are very good, but there will yeah. be the odd fewer people will have bad reputation, right? So, or not being the same sort of standards. And for right. me, that's very important in terms of, you know, reputation and doing the right thing. I feel like by selling Lego, I'm like an unofficial ambassador for the Lego brand, right? And I treat it, you know, as a fan would and how I would like to receive my Lego as well. So, when I deal with used Lego, I'd rather chuck a piece out rather than having like some marks on there or something like that. Like I've had some comments of people when they receive some of my used Lego is that they can't see the difference from like new Lego, but it's, it's just yeah. the way it's, it's quality and, and service. That's, that's important. And that's what Lego is also renowned for. Right. So their customer service is like probably one of the best worldwide in terms of companies. So mm -hmm. I feel like we owe it as sellers as well to kind of keep up that standard. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. And that is one of the things I've really liked about like learning more about the Bricklink community is that like a lot of the sellers on there are fans of Lego, right? So it's, it is a kind of a marketplace that, you know, you know that the sellers are going to care about the product and they're going to care about the end user. Because yeah, I, I started a lot of it genuine as well. It's not just there is an element of customer service being very important on Bricklink because of your feedback score, but also your return, uh, your return buyers being important. But I, I genuinely feel like a lot of it is is real, you know, and, and sellers are just they just care a little more than what you would get on Amazon or somewhere else. Yeah, and I started my bricklink journey as a buyer, so I, I I discovered a few years ago the website Rebrickable, which is as a Lego fan is just amazing. Oh, yeah. And and as uh, <laughs> I decided, my my oldest son he's into into trains and steam trains, so I built him the the Union Pacific. It's like three thousand three hundred pieces. Uh, like as a, as a massive massive lego train and he apps it was built it as a surprise for me absolutely loved it and it's kind of wow. stuck in my wardrobe at the moment because it's such a big thing where did you put it yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's like another titanic right it's just massive yeah yeah it's, it's some of the some of the mocks on rebrickable are just like i don't know how anyone can store some of these things you know it's yeah. you'll need you'll need a like definitely a dedicated room for for some of those things but that's where i did some learning as well from as a buyer perspective where you know you have your wanted list of your pieces and you put it in and i did like auto buy and it showed me like if i wanted to buy i think it was like over three thousand pieces it was like 900 pounds was like a ridiculous high amount because they limited the number of sellers and i started looking into the details and then what i found out is that the, the sellers that have lots of the parts they push the prices up because they know people are going to buy these anyway so they inflate the price so if yeah. you're a bit smart about it you can then start putting like average prices as maximum for certain pieces that you know are very expensive but as widely available in the end i bought it from maybe 12 stores instead of like the four that were recommended 
but you know at the end it cost me like 300 pounds so <laughs> just because some people were trying to rip people off so that's fantastic eat. right there thank you for sharing that because i had this experience just last week so i happened across some mocks of uh lord of the rings um skylines right so it's it's designed in the the lego skyline um kind of structure the architecture skyline structure but it's lord of the rings themed right so it's kind of like you could get the three lord of the rings movies as an individual skyline and then line them all up on a shelf together uh. they're fantastic mocks like they look amazing and so i started looking into pricing them up and stuff and i came across exactly what you're just talking about there where of course, you know, the, the sellers with the high lock counts can price things up and um, you end up paying kind of more uh, than otherwise. So, yeah, it's a balance, right? you got to look at what the prices are and it takes a lot more work, but you can definitely save money if you, right? But it also depends on how unique the pieces are. If you, they are very unique, you'll probably be stuck. But if there's some pieces where they know that this is a popular rebrickable set, they will just like, right, let's just ramp it up because the demand is there. Now, mm -hmm. I don't do that because I don't have the time just to look into all that. And I just set my pricing as, as pretty much default and just adjust it even slightly downwards just to make sure that, you know, we generate enough sales yeah. um, just to get the, sh the stock shifting. Because I do have a big backlog of stuff to add to the store, uh, which I don't have space for at the moment. So uh, yeah. it's all in my loft. So, oh, uh, wow. So, so you've got stuff in, in like wardrobes, <laughs> loft, uh, like in this Lego room, storage units, like <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Yeah, but as soon as I, I walk it, as soon as it comes into the hallway, I've got the the misses on my case. So that's like a it's like a it's like a red line. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, you're out of, you're out of the, the the sitting room, so it's a good yeah. start. Uh, so this so this growth over the you know the first year and um, move toward cash flow positive i guess like broadly what was the experience like for you did you did you feel like it was you know was it almost borderline too much work or looking back mm -hmm. kind of did you enjoy the process for that year or were you kind of let's let's just push hard and hate every moment of it until i get to a no, point where i, I can stabilize I, things no i loved it uh, the only thing i didn't love was my original setup when i started getting orders of like you know, a hundred lot counts and I was still dealing in poly bags where I had to start picking pieces out. It took forever. Uh, now with my current setup, it's a lot easier. And I always knew I wanted this, but I didn't have the room to, to kind of do it. So that once we had the garage conversion done, this is when I knew I could kind of take off and grow even more. Um, but then there's obviously when uh, I've had some mixed experiences with eBay as well. And there was a stage where I kind of like, well, let's not, I didn't like eBay before I had an, a, a store because I felt like it was an unfair platform because some people get free listings and other people don't get free listings and, and things like that. And then people like, and I was predominantly just selling minifigures on there. So I felt that some people were having an unfair advantage over others. Right. And uh, the only thing I, I kind of found out is because I had my listing on auto renew and I kind of got stung with suddenly when the fee kicked in, because they gave you like one month free, here's another month and you think it's going to be free forever. And then suddenly again, a renewal fee listing. Yep. Like, wow, I didn't see that one coming. So but and then eventually you now got um you know ebay small shop and that, that's a lot better so uh you kind of know where you're at yeah you kind of have like a stable number that you can do every month and it all just yeah. you know just, it makes more sense and so did you always like since you started with parting out did you do uh minifigs on ebay right away then not right away but i quickly moved on to that because I, I just saw the the value you could get was higher on there right um mm -hmm. 
initially I set up my own website, but it's difficult to drive traffic through that. And uh, that was just just becoming too hard to then manage because you obviously have to manage your inventory. On BrickLink and BrickOut, it's easy because they synchronize themselves. But then if you do eBay as well, you have to synchronize eBay manually with your BrickLink store to make sure if you have a sale on there or maybe you don't put all the quantities on there. But then it's, you know, how do you manage all your stock? So that's the big issue I find is that if you have a sale on eBay, make sure that you update BrickLink quite quickly as well, just to make mm -hmm. sure that you don't have anything sold twice. I've not had that issue yet, but it could potentially happen. Which is the worst, having to cancel orders or yeah. drop ship from somebody else <laughs> to, <laughs> to the customer. Yeah. Um, all right, so real quick, I'm going to just kind of jump into the comments here, um, check in with everyone. So, and I'm going back to the beginning here. So we have uh, our toner, my two favorite brick pros. Thank you for being <laughs> here. Chris is here. Chris, good to see you. We have Starkiller. Um, Xavier, welcome. So we have a question here from Starkiller. Um, if I state that my my focus themes are architecture, creator, expert, and Star Wars, am I then missing out on certain themes? What are your thoughts, uh, Fred? I guess you know this would take a different, it'd be a different answer for both for BrickLink and investing. But maybe you you want to give a perspective on both. Uh, yeah, from from a BrickLink perspective, uh, I, I don't really focus on on theming necessarily. Uh, the one thing I, I will buy less of, at least here in the UK perspective, is, you know, friends, uh, purely because the colorful, you know, the purples and things, they don't sell that well. Uh, so I, I look at it as well from a color perspective as well. So you kind of want to look at what elements are in there. So not just necessarily what the theming is. Um, but from a, an investment perspective, um, yeah, I got quite a lot of architecture creator expert um i haven't got that much star wars but i try to buy some of the smaller star wars set that's my, my main concern again is space but also shipping things right big sets um and um, i kind of made a list of the stuff i have uh, i think marvel is probably a good theme as well to look at for certain things and, and speed champions right uh those uh those are like gold dust and anything christmas related at the moment uh certain things like christmas or even small sets like i would say like when they had like, the wedding favor sets, some of those things where people and suddenly they they stopped selling them and they haven't replaced them with it yet. I had those sets parted out. If I had kept them as sets, I probably would have made more money of it. But suddenly you see lots of people like for weddings they want to have a, a groom and a and a bride, and they, you, you see those minifigures just suddenly fly out the window. <laughs> so you're like, wow, what's going on here? So clearly people are having a wedding. Yeah, yeah, that's so, yeah. Some of the seasonal stuff can can fly. I was looking at um. Spoiler alert, upcoming video uh, on the Breakbox channel is looking at gift for purchases. And some of those old, the, the seasonal gift for purchases, the Christmas tree, you know, it's just totally fl uh, flying in value. Once, uh, one thing here particularly I find out in the UK is probably unique sets like these in the color that you find that just UK specific because these are the trials they're doing, right? Um, these you buy in store for like 13 pounds. And on eBay, they're double the price already. And even though you can buy them in store or online for twelve ninety nine, so it's like, and that's full RRP. So you you see people are buying those and just reselling on eBay for double the price, probably to the international market, I would say, because they know people will will want them. Um, but yeah, I think the Christmas sets, like the this year set, the the Santa sleigh is going to be the one that uh, I think is just absolute winner. It's an amazing set. 
Amazing yeah. said. Yeah. I would add. Um, I've got a few here. <laughs> good, good stuff. Came with props. I love it. Um, I would add Minecraft um, to the list. I think it's it's a fantastic set. It's tried and tested um, at this point, and it does go up. You know, those sets yeah. do do quite well uh, for investing purposes. Um, I'm trying and, from the UK perspective the Minecraft set because I'm on the fence of those ones. My opinion, my biggest concern about them is the part out value. If things don't go the way they go right, because right, they mm -hmm. they have they generally have a, a horrendous part out value. The Minecraft sets. So I have quite a few Minecraft sets in my uh, storage unit as well, but they're more for me to test the waters. Is the market in the UK on Minecraft the same as the US? That's great. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's 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 definitely like there are di these differences between the markets and yeah it's another thing that i want to learn more of over time as well as i engage with more people internationally who ask me these questions you know like it, are the themes different you know do people care about the same things and um there are differences in terms of what themes are selling best from different uh, countries minecraft i mean um it is like so the thing about minecraft is like we don't have a whole lot of new um things coming up that are going to suddenly rise the popularity. It could be the opposite for Minecraft, right? It's more likely that popularity over the next 10 years won't be as good as popularity over the last 10 years, right? As, as far as, you know, I can see at least. But at the same time, it is uh, the kind of theme where, you know, like grandparents on Amazon are just like, any of them will do, we'll just buy any of these Minecraft sets and, you know, $60 for a set that retail for 20, like, you know, it's, it's this kind of set. It's an Amazon set, right? That's what that's what I see as Minecraft. It's like the perfect Amazon set for the mass market. Um, but your point about like the part of value being lower is that's that's one of the big differences, I think, right? Uh, that we need to keep in mind. I would also throw in um, I th so so Minecraft. I think Jurassic World does pretty well, at least in the U.S. market. And some idea sets are worth looking at. Ideas is just a little bit. Um, it's just become a little bit more less predictable in the last couple of years um, with re-releases on two idea sets and uh, different things that have messed with the plan a little bit. And thanks for the question, though, Starkiller. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more, Fred, about life as a Lego investor in the UK, right? Because, you know, this is there are kind of a lot of UK folks that watch the channel and it's something that I unfortunately can never offer enough about. <laughs> and um, I'd love to kind of pick your brains on a couple of different things about life, you know, in the UK as a Lego seller, I guess, firstly on sourcing. So, um, you know, you mentioned that the deals are a little bit more like it's, it's less of a kind of a big boom or a big deal season and more um, consistent throughout the year. So you don't really have an equivalent of the Walmart, you know, clearance season in July that we would get. We do you know. get clearances in certain re retailers uh, in the similar season that you get to the US, but right. they're very hard to get as well, right? And they're not widely advertised. It's pretty much you go in the store and you, you see it, but then you have regular clearances on stores like Argos, which is like a catalog store. Uh, and then <laughs> the next day, Amazon price match a lot of the, st the sets. So, uh, Amazon pretty much got a strategy here of killing the the high street. So they, they just actively target a lot of the, the high streets as soon as they put a, a discount on, they just price match it. So mm -hmm. from a reseller perspective, you can buy a lot of good stuff. So um, you often have limits on the catalog stores or they don't have them in store and then you just try and get it from, from Amazon or vice versa, right? So, um, but there's, 
there's a lot of deals to be had throughout the year. If you, if you keep looking, as I said earlier, it's not just Amazon in the UK. We also get the benefit of France and Germany and Spain. The yeah. different the difficulty that we have now with Brexit is that you know duty, so you can't really buy the bigger sets because you start getting import duties on them. Um, but yeah, this I would say you can get deals through a lot of periods of throughout the year. Uh, there are some months where you're not going to find anything, but now October is just you see a lot of deals already happening. Um, I think it was back in was it May or June. We had some Amazon France. Sometimes there's some crazy deals where you get like you you buy, you buy three for the price of two, and and that, that includes uh, sets that are already discounted. So they've already wow. discounted the sets, oh. and then you get three for two. Uh, so sometimes <laughs> you get get really good deals. I think we we like a lot of people on our channel just. Uh, started buying lots of lego sets like the the 501st legion battle packs like they worked out at like 15 pounds a unit when they're normally like 25 pounds so we just a lot of people just stocked up on those when those came through <laughs> wow so you, those, you can get some good deals those would be great over time as well you can't yeah. go wrong with that set that's yeah so like i guess how does the the duties and customs impact things now do you know like rough percentages on how much it would add to a set? no so basically if you buy from europe you got to try and keep it under the 135 pound mark and then you don't actually get duties charged on there and the good thing is if you order from the amazons in europe uh it kind of shows what it will be um mm -hmm. so you you can just play with the volumes to go just under that right so or, or split up the volumes and have it shipped to two different addresses if you have people that you can ship it to so those are the things you can work around with mm -hmm. but it's it's as i said it's difficult for larger sets um it's more more of an issue i would say if you're looking at it from a bricklink and investing perspective of selling it becomes more complicated because your your uh, buyers on the continent might suddenly get charged uh, a chipping charge so suddenly they get like a duty based on something that they think they already paid and it's i'm it's still very unclear at the moment on where we're at with things like that because you use one courier and it gets there no problem no duties you use uh, the royal mail service and people suddenly get a um a charge mm. even though you put in all the right paperwork and everything and then they mentioned well you haven't done anything electronically well there is no electronic platform to do it so you get you get lots of issues and it, it, i think a lot of people in the uk are looking to stop selling at least into mainland europe to the us there's no issues it seems to be like a uk europe thing that's mainly an issue right yeah and so you i mean you've you haven't been going with BrickLink long enough to kind of know a big comparison between pre-Brexit and now, but from what you've seen in the community or talk to people, do you know if there's a big traffic impact to UK sellers? Are people kind of seeing the UK banner and thinking, I don't want to deal with the hassle of potential? I think companies? a lot of people have switched off and a lot of people on the continent have just stopped buying as well. But I would have said even before Brexit, um, 99% of my business was UK, right? So it's... Uh, it, there was never that much of a focus on on the, um, the European side. I would say the only difference was maybe on eBay, where you had some minifigure sales to you know France, and somehow Italy seemed to buy a lot of minifigures. So I had quite a lot of sales to Italy and minifigures. That kind of has stopped, but you know there's enough demand for it. I would say in the UK for for that not to be an issue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then so the um, the other thing about sourcing obviously is online versus local um one of your recent vlogs by the way i love that you're doing vlogs now that's that's <laughs> it's a great addition um 
you went to a, a local toy store. Do you find that you're, you know, are you able to source as much in person or would it most of your sourcing be online? I would say it's um, depends what I'm sourcing, right? Like I love going to the Lego store for pick a brick walls because I, I like to see that's purely for my uh, brickling store because I think that's an easy way of adding stuff to your store at often higher than three to one ratio. So that's why I love going there and you get VIP points as well. And they know me in my local store now, so uh, uh -oh. they, they, no, no, it's okay. It's I know Have the store the channel. Uh, no, but they love the fact that um, I did uh, a challenge with my son where we visited eight Lego stores in a day. So uh -huh. uh, and they, they kind of like took pictures of us and everything. So they they kind of know me, and I get I get like extra freebies sometimes. So it's it's quite nice. So they still treat me nice. They for now. really know you though, Fred. They know you as a fan, right? Yeah. They, well, I am a fan. When they learn the investing side, it, it might be a little bit different. Yeah, but I, I, I never go in there and start to buy like five or six units, right? Like the Christmas set, I bought one the other day, even though they had 10 or whatever. I know, I know I could buy two, which is the limit online, but I go to my limit when I buy online on Lego. But yeah. in store, I you know want to make sure that I'm fair and that other people are able to buy it as well. I'm not going to go crazy and just start to hoard everything. That's not what I do. I'd rather go again the following week and see if it's still there. So yeah. I... I I think that's one of the benefits in the UK versus the US is you're never that far away from a Lego store. We have 17 or 18 now in the UK, mm. which is probably not that great from a reselling perspective uh, from BrickLink, right? People can just go to the pick a brick wall. But if you're looking from investing and once it retired, then yeah, it makes no difference. But uh, I think in the US, you most people are, have a store nearby, but there's a lot of bigger distances as well, right? People that are living in, in the sticks, so to speak. So yes. I'm not... I'm not yeah, I'm not sure how many Lego stores are in the US, but I guess they'll be concentrated in the big cities. But the US is such a vast <laughs> continent versus the UK. Whereas here, I'd say most people at worst, it'll take them two to three hours to drive to their nearest Lego store at worst. And that'll probably be like in the Southwest somewhere. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you're thinking about that because like I, in my opinion, at least, um, you know, maintaining a good relationship with the people in your Lego store is more important than getting an extra set. You know, when you're trying to source a particular set, even if it is like double gift for purchase and, yeah. you know, double VIP points, yeah. it's not worth and, it. And, it. and it helps going with my children as well sometimes, right? So they know I'm not just, I'm not always buying just for a thing. I also buy for myself when I sometimes go in there, but I do keep that very separate. Right. I never get tempted. So, um, it's you you, you got to know your limit right and they see when you go in with kids the it it, it, it kind of gives a different experience as well i would say mm -hmm. yep agreed um star killer just gave a ten dollar ten euro super chat thanks for the answer thanks for the great answer guys thank you star killer much appreciated um and then we have ben's brick store here uh, good to see you here, Eric. Um, Fred, add up all the steps that you used to have and send your parents the bill. Oh, well, I'm a single child, so hopefully I'll pay back for it one day. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the value now, though? Of you know, yeah, I, I, the, the one I missed the most was is the, is the monorail, and it's more from a sentimental perspective because, yeah, it was like my um, my my uncle gave it to me, it was the, um, the space one, I think it's six nine. 6990 6991 one of the two i can't remember it's the white mm -hmm. one and uh, he shortly passed away like a year later unexpectedly so whenever i see that set kind of reminds me back of him now because he gave it to me and that was like my first ever big lego set and i sp spent so much time with those nine volt batteries going around <laughs> in that uh, monorail train 
I think everybody has like the one set that they remember the most from their their yeah, childhood. That, that and the Met and the Metro Liner nine volt train. Right. I, uh-huh. I love the fact that those trains then they had the lights in them, so they lit up because obviously the nine volt track. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, we have um, Adam here. Hello, all. Uh, looking forward to the dialogue. Um, Xavier, I really enjoyed Fred giving uh, real good deals out there. Really opened my eyes. 100% agree on that. I think it is important to, <laughs> like, it is a kind of a different muscle for some people to flex, you know, to, to like, online arbitragers, people who, you know, like, flip things from, you know, online. It could be any sort of item, even in, you know, non-Lego items. They're really good at this stuff, right? They're good at thinking about the profit margins and buying as low as possible to make create that margin from thin air. And in some cases, they're using creative different ways to do that, whether it's racketing for cashback or different kind of things. But when you're coming into this from a Lego fan perspective, you know, we're used to paying high prices, right? We're used to going to the Lego store and paying full retail price a lot of the time. And then more recently, obviously, we have other retailers that are starting to discount because Amazon are squeezing profits down on retailers. Um, Lego fans are just a little bit less used to, I think, looking for the absolute best prices. And and it is very important in... um, in Even when I see a deal, like you mentioned, the best price when I see a deal, I kind of know, well, this deal was better a few months ago. So it's likely going to come back at a better deal again. So, but sometimes when you do see that deal and you know, it's better than you've ever seen before, that's when it hit the button. Right. And sometimes you got to be yeah. quick. Like mm-hmm. I managed to snap up the millennium Falcon, the UCS one for 468 pounds and then 6% cash back. And if, I think a few of the people on the channel got it as well. But as soon yeah. as I told the people on the channel, uh, it was through Hamley's. The store sold out instantly. So That's sometimes, so, so, sometimes you got to be quick, right? And you know, we got the Ecto One when Amazon had a crazy day in May last year. Uh, no, this year in May, and um, got the Ecto One for like eighty pounds when it normally retails for one hundred and eighty pounds. So sometimes when you see those deals, you just don't think about it. You just go like, no. hit the credit card. I don't care. Just go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like when you see those deals. You know, a lot. Some of the other considerations that we make when we're like the consideration that we make when we're buying Lego investments, they they change case by case, obviously. And if it's mm. a set that is half price or or greater, some of that stuff should go out the window a little bit, right? Like, mm. if it's half price, does it matter as much if it's going to retire soon? Maybe a little bit less than otherwise, yeah. right? If it's half price, does it matter as much if it's you know a, a theme that you usually don't buy? Maybe a little less. And this is okay. the way I think about Walmart clearance, right? And is really the reason I have so many SKUs in my inventory. You know, if yeah. if I'm for my very focused buying, you know, I'm I'm dealing with a handful of SKUs that I'm you know on my hit list or whatever. But then I go to Walmart clearance, and every like there's markdowns for fifty percent, forty percent on different things. Could be a set that I had no intention; it wasn't on my list. But if it's fifty percent off, you know, you, I could you completely resonate with that because I think it was last year I went into uh, Sainsbury's, one of the supermarkets we have here in the UK, and. They had some sets and some sets I wasn't even familiar with. It was Overwatch. And I was like, what's this, right? And I look at the price, 1750. And it's normally 35. I'm like, and they had two. I'm like, oh, I'll buy them. And then didn't even think about it. I'll just I'll just worry about it later. And then I, I looked at the pricing on eBay. It was 70 pounds. I sold both of them for <laughs> 70 pounds each. So I was like, yeah, that was a good deal. So, <laughs> so I'm glad I, I'm glad I just pulled the trigger on that one. Yeah, and like learning how to do this stuff as well. And like, you know, we could learn more about 
um, how to gra find great Lego deals by learning about, you know, retail arbitrage in general and online arbitrage and, you know, looking up um, videos on how people are doing that or reading about how people are doing that and finding other and, items at great discounts and, because some of those skills will map over. There's a lot of things that you learn through a lot of practice and, and like things that you find out that happen like, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, Argos, they some, when they update their pricing, it's usually on a Tuesday night uh, over to a Wednesday morning. But what happens is that their pricing gets updated in the system and you only find out by adding stuff to the checkout and it only updates on the main page right. the next day. So when that happens, a lot of people in our chat, they kind of check that on a Tuesday night and like, oh, Argos have updated their pricing. And then we kind of find the sets and then you buy them before the Wednesday morning hits. And a lot of the stock stuff might be already out of stock. So that's how I figured out how that happens. So those and are the sort of things you got to be. You, you learn that from part of the community, I'd say, you build as well. Uh -huh. That's exactly what I was about to say, which is like, that's the kind of thing no one is ever going to know on their own, right? There, you, no. you can't figure that out on your own. You can figure out when the store down the street is having a sale by, you know, on your own because you see it one time and then you remember the date. You're never going to figure out to add a, an item to Argos on midnight on a, on a Tuesday evening on your own. <laughs> that's community stuff, right? And that's like... Yeah, and it's networking. not all sets. So they, they tell you what sets as well. So uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's just that you, you learn. I think you continue to learn every day. I still learn. So it's, uh, I think that's the, the main thing as well, that you need to have that open mindset that it's you're never going to know everything and you just got to continue. And there's always the thing with Lego new themes. And I think you got to learn from your mistake as well. I'm pretty sure I've got a few mistakes that I've made so far, but you know, you got you, that's why I've got that plan B of parting them out. And you mentioned you got lots of different SKUs. Uh, I've, I've got a, a, a vast variety of sets. I've, I did the count before this video uh, started, and I've got about 120 different sets in my yeah. storage unit. So, mm -hmm. so I don't have many where I've kind of got loads of. It's a lot of variety, and that's mainly driven by the fact that I target pricing, and then I'm going to be reasonable from my ROI perspective as well. I'm not going to look for you know, triple the price or whatever it is. I just wanted to get it shifted and then I can reinvest it into more stuff. Then maybe further down, if I have a bigger space or things like take it to another level, then maybe I'll take a different approach and mm -hmm. take a look at it from a longer ROI, but a longer term ROI and higher ROI. But mm -hmm. yep. that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I like, you know, I, I get this question a lot as well about breadth versus depth. And, you know, it's it's a long conversation, so I won't go too much into it, but just... Real quick to to um, to some thoughts that came to my mind as you were talking there is like, you know, going broader obviously reduces risk. So, you know, and especially if you're getting things at great prices, because if some of the decisions that you made don't retire or, you know, they stay around for a longer time, or let's say if you, you know, you went deep on the ship in the bottle and then it gets re-released, right? <laughs> and if that was one of five picks, then, you know, and if, if you evenly distributed your money into five sets, that's a quarter that um, like one in five decision that you made, that's that's not yeah. panning out the way you thought it would. Spreading a little bit more, obviously diversification is the same as what people can do in stocks and different investments to, to spread risk, protect yourself from uh, bad decisions. But the problem with that, of course, is that there's more work because this is e-commerce, right? So we're now we're listing more items. And uh, if you're doing eBay, you're taking more photos and you know all of the, the different things that go with that, right? Versus one SKU, 50 quantity, you know, one listing fast kind of, uh, and then obviously the shipping supplies and different things that come into it, you know, being able to use the same box for all of your sets versus more SKUs means, you know, 
a little more complicated shipping setup, right? And being kind of having to, to figure out different shapes, different all sorts of different sizes and shapes of boxes and stuff like that. So there's a lot of different considerations, but I think, you know, it, it just depends on your setup, how much risk you want to take on and how much work you want to do, really, uh, when yeah. it comes to breadth. And, and the reason why I've got lots of this, of like different SKUs is just mostly to learn as well, because I want to see what works and what doesn't work. So I'm still mm -hmm. at that learning curve. And I find that this is the best way, right? So you'll see what are the hits, what are the misses. And then over time, I can I can learn from those mistakes as well. And I don't have many SKUs of each necessarily at the moment. So uh, it's some of them I do have like a few, quite a lot of in some architecture sets, some speed champion sets, and some of the like Gifford purchase as well. I've got quite a few as well of so some of those. So those are they're all good, and I kind of keep them right because I'm not going to list them as soon as everybody else lists them. So because mm -hmm. that's the you no know, often a question I get asked is like do you list your gift of purchases straight away or do you kind of like hold them on till till later so what's what's your uh, feeling on that it's funny you ask that's the next video oh is it i got <laughs> a video on it um i still need to fine-tune a little bit before i put it up but it's um by the way shane didn't uh, prompt me for this one it's i did not <laughs> prompt you for this <laughs> yeah the next video is going to be looking at this question now i'm looking at it i'm looking at it on amazon um using keeper which kind of helps us to see price over time and my like it's hit or miss basically there's not a very easy conclusion my my opinion on it after doing that bit of research is to sell sooner um in most cases we do see we do see appreciation gift for purchases do rise in price over time just like other sets do they don't just sit standard like stagnant um especially during you know especially the holiday gifts during holiday season because they benefit from you know a double whammy during yeah. q4 right all lego set sells faster during q4 and if you're a holiday set like the christmas tree gift for purchase that was two years ago um you know you're getting a, a sudden surge in demand during the time when you know it's most important so christmas tree has gone from being a free gift to 150 dollars on amazon us right now so that's people who picked up 50 of those or they're doing well right um but it's not always the case and some of them um like monster book in my opinion is like you know it's, it's fantastic because it's borderline between what you'd expect of a gift for purchase and what you would pay for as a full 40 dollars set right that monster book is and i think that you know the fact that um like that harry potter fans probably like they're they're willing to pay that inflated price for it, even though it was free because of that fact, right? Because it is a more, I guess, a meatier gift with purchase. And so that's what kind of some of the things that go through my mind when I'm considering if I want to hold it or not. Um, is this something that people will buy for a gift at Christmas time, right? Mm -hmm. And for a monster book, the answer is yes. So even though monster book hasn't really grown in price a lot on Amazon US at least, it's grown a little bit. Um, I see demand surging for that this Q4 and then the price going up um, others like Amelia Earhart and, you know, a couple of the others um, it's, it's less, it's less certain. So yeah. in some cases, you know, I don't think you'll do a triple up, you know, and, and if you want to double your money with Lego investing, if you like, especially for an Amazon seller, if you look for a, a triple up on the price and just like, let's say a third of it is fees it's not really a third, but let's say a third of its fees, then you'll double your money, right? Um, you won't get that with gift for purchase a lot of the times, right? It no. won't triple in price. Um, and let's say if, it, if you put a value of $30 on it or whatever, 
it might not get to 90 within a year. Uh, whereas if you put, if you sold immediately, put that money into speed champion sets or, or something else that is a little bit more consistent and more of a sure thing, you have a better shot of doing that. So I think, you know, that's the, that's the real kind of decision I made after is yes, it will grow in price. You will do fine, but arguably the money will be better yeah. elsewhere. And, and I and guess it's higher. Uh, that's the entire story of my next video so no one needs to watch it now it's all good <laughs> sorry shane <laughs> it's all good I, I i'm glad for the tea up fred i, I appreciate it um so sorry did you want to uh, make a point on that before we move on i i think it's also the probably the thing i just kind of thought about is the fact that it probably gets out of people's mind as well right whereas a lego sets people will have seen in store for a year or two at least whereas a gift of purchase is just a, a snap that's out there Mm -hmm. And suddenly it disappears and people who have missed it, they might not even know it was there. Right. So yeah. that's probably another thing to consider. Yep. Yep, exactly. And, you know, even to the point where on Amazon, like a lot of them, a lot of the older sets, they don't even have listings uh, in the U S at least. Mm. Um, you know, I, I went back and looked at lists of older gift for purchases uh, for the last couple of years, but looking on Amazon, a lot of the older stuff are just not even, they're not even there. They're, there's no market for them. So uh, Xavier, um, do you build Lego also or uh, just work? I do build Lego when I have space, and that's my. I've got my modular buildings in my son's bedroom on a shelf, <laughs> and that shelf is kind of full. Um, and I mentioned I got Lego in my loft, and those are Lego sets that I don't. They're either to part out or for my own collection that I will build uh, in the in the future because, but simply I don't have the space for. Uh, but I don't want to pay inflated prices for in the future, right? So mm -hmm. I've got like a haunted house. I've got the modular police station. I've got the bookshop. I've got a roller coaster. You know, I've got lots of the big creator expert sets just waiting for some point to, to build. But it's, it's space is my main issue. And hopefully at some point we'll move house, but it's not in the immediate future, but we'll we'll see. And my, my main criteria for a new house will be a room for this, a bigger one. Because yeah. <laughs> my dream is eventually have built like a Lego city, right? Because that's what I had as a childhood. I had the Lego city. So that's amazing. Yeah. A big one. And you mentioned you were a big fan of the modulars. Which one is your favorite? I like the assembly square a lot, purely because it was the biggest. Okay. Uh, just had a lot of things to do. And uh, yeah, and yeah, I think that was probably my favorite one, just purely because it's it took the most time and it's a lot of different like uh, buildings that you're building inside. So it's uh, and mm -hmm. I, I think I've got it as well with a light kit as well, so it lights up. Although I, I, that's the only one I ever bought with a light kit, and it's I'm still not convinced about the light kits because they're quite complicated to put together. <laughs> yeah, some sets though really benefit from yeah uh, Disney Castle. You know, if I was building Disney Castle, I'm I'm getting a light kit no matter what. Mm. Uh, Hogwarts Castle as well, I think. Uh, Xavier, again, um, this is one I missed from earlier. What eats more space, sets or Bricklink? Sets. Although oh. I've kind of um, started doing a different thing. Because this, I'm here in a, a room. I would say, how big is this? Uh, I don't know what in feet, but it's about two and a half meters by about two and a half meters, more or less. So it's not that big a room, and I've got my 250,000 pieces in here. So it's all in here. My Bricklink store is run out of this room, and it's not the biggest, right? So this is this is half a single car garage. So this is half the size of the room. So um, mm -hmm. and it's all in here. Whereas my storage unit is 100 square feet, and it's and if you were to think, you know, broadly, and you don't have to like like try and calculate this out, but if you were to think about 
sales value of all of those parts versus the sales value of all of your Lego sets and the, the space that each of them take out and take up. With. Yeah, well, I've done my research before. I was prepared for that question. So, <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. so I've, I've got around 30,000 pounds worth of uh, Lego bricks in my Bricklink store, fantastic. pretty much. Yeah. And um, it's around my buy-in price of the stock in my storage unit is about 15 to 18,000 pounds. So, but that's my buy-in price. So let's assume double. So there's mm. probably more value in my storage unit than there is here. Okay, but you know, this is a lot less space, so you know it's it's almost borderline between them in terms of yeah, it's 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 borderline fifty fifty, and okay. whereas All this right. this this will likely go down in value over time, whereas the other stuff goes up in value. Right. Yeah. Because so that's the, what you look at. Value of right. space then will will change over time. Yeah. And um, but you're turning over stuff in this room. Yeah. This, this is oh, this is to keep me busy, right? Because I'm not, at the moment I'm not selling. If I was, if I just wanted to do reselling, I'd just be doing nothing. <laughs> I'd just buy sets and and wait for a year or two. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is not me. Yep. <laughs> I like to keep busy. Um, so we have Paul here, and uh, this is a question I've answered a couple times, uh, but I'm definitely kind of happy to to give my thoughts on this. But but Fred, what's your thoughts on this one? So do you do you feel like you know the 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 growth in Lego reselling in general from COVID and you know other things like youtubers <laughs> um will cause it to to the bubble to burst what are your thoughts i think there's two ways of looking at this right and one way it's good because there's a lot more new people that got into lego so they'll be looking for some of the older sets they missed out on um but i do think there's also been a lot of sellers and expecting it to go quite quick so there could be a reduction in um return on investments in the short term i think that's what we've got to expect I think the biggest beast we all have to worry about right now is inflation, at least here in the UK. That's that's the biggest worry that I would have. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily going to cause the bubble to burst, but I think it's going to probably take some people out who are not in it committed for the long term, who would just want it to make a quick return. I think that's going to remove those people from the market, I think, because mm -hmm. lots of people who are in it for the short term will realize that it's, it's, you have to be committed for this. And I think a lot of people have been seeing it as an easy thing, and it's not. You know, it's uh, you got to think about it's not just about putting things in a box, but it's dealing with complaints, it's dealing with the people, it's dealing with people's expectations and making sure that you keep that reputation as well because it only takes, you know, some bad reviews and suddenly your sales could completely come to a stop, right? So I think that's Lego's going to continue to build new sets and bring out new stuff, but there's going to be a point where I think people are going to leave. And but I think it's going to be other economical factors rather than um, just the COVID impact. I would say. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Paul. Uh, my thoughts on this are mostly that you know that we're going to be okay, right? Broadly. Um, that you know the Lego Group have they really know what they're doing in recent years, right? They've really upped their game. With the product line is fantastic. The deals they're making, the licenses are fantastic, and as a result of of I guess you know their work, they have really boomed and they've become the biggest toy brand in the world. And and if you look at the growth numbers, it's it's ridiculous, right? In the last ten years, demand is at a huge high, and then you compare that with e-commerce numbers and more people going to the internet to buy. Uh, which is still growing right a lot of people still don't go to the internet to buy their christmas gifts um 
you know, the demand is is at an all-time high. It's never been higher, right, for Lego um, online. And yes, the resale market is growing, right? There are more resellers there now to, to meet some of that demand. I do not think that the resale market can meet all of that growth because the growth is just so, so fast, uh, especially with, you know, the bump that we've had from COVID, which does create a lasting um, impact as well because a lot of those people, not all of them, but a lot of those people will be Lego fans for a long time, right? The people who were stuck at home last year and were buying sets just because they were bored. Now they're learning about collecting Lego and, you know, buying the new stuff and, you know, building on that stuff that they bought last year. And some of that is contributing to the the insane numbers. Um, and then, you know, you add on to that, you layer on the fact that even if there were a lot, like there are a lot of resellers in Lego, everyone has a different strategy, right? So some people hold for a year, some two years, some three years, some quick flip, right? Some of the, the people who are listing sets right now on Amazon are going to be sold in the next, you know, right now, right? They're going to sell immediately. Um, different themes that people look at, right? Different themes that people specialize in or, or, or focus on, different price points that people focus on. So you have all these different niches in the world of, in the Lego investor community that mean that even if there were, you know, like X amount of us overall, the people that are going to be competing with you on a given listing are a very small subset of that, you know, and the demand I think is going to outweigh it. Mm -hmm. So that's my overall perspective on it. And I think that there's more than enough to go around. Yeah. And for me, it kind of goes back to the point. It's all about your, your buying and your strategy, making sure you buy at the right price to kind of protect you from things like the bubble bursting and, and things like that. So do yeah, you make sure that, you know, worst case scenario, you sell it at RRP and you will still make profit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, we had Chris here when we were talking about BrickLink traffic. He actually shared a BrickLink <laughs> 788,000 organic visits last month. I should have known, Chris, that you're gonna you're gonna have that number at the ready. I love it. Um, all right, fantastic. So um, we went. We talked a little bit about uh, sourcing differences in the UK. What about selling um, differences, Fred? Are you, are you? I guess firstly, are you finding? are you so you really haven't started selling your investment sets yet at all is that right not much no the odd set here where i could see that it had already retired i've sold a few but not that many um so i'm kind of like waiting for it to have a wave before i can list them and then sell them i did okay. buy a few sets before that uh i sold a few uh bought some of these sets a good place to go and buy lego is legoland I I went last year with my kids and I bought these sets, these three in one sets. There were creator expert ones. There's like this this little ship. And I think their RRP was like 13 pounds and they sold them for half price. And when I came home, I realized that these were from 2016 and they were already retired for a few years and they were going for 35 pounds. So those are the sort of things like I, I recommend go check out Legoland. That's fantastic. Or, you know, small, like, you know, like small brick and mortars that, you know, mom and pop stores that might be in a small village sometime in down the countryside, right? Little toy store that has, they might have retired sets as well, right? My, my local toy store, which I put in my last vlog, they've got tons of retired stuff. They got like pretty much a full line still of uh, hidden side stuff. Um, last about two, three months ago, I went in there and got a, the Lego City hospital set. That, that was the last one. And that was just RRP price, which I know you can sell for double right now. And I kind of 
had a sigh of relief that the next modular building is not uh, a hospital, or at least not rumored to be a hospital. So that's because that was at one point the rumor, because that could have uh, undermined the pricing for that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when you do start to kind of like really pad out your selling um, on your holdings or your sealed sets, how are you thinking about how that strategy would look? Are you do you have a platform in mind to to focus mostly on? Or are you going to go for Amazon? It's going to be or? a mix of. I'm already on gated on Amazon, but there's such a pain in the ass. Excuse my language, but it's uh, you know the setup was okay and it got ungated, but now I've added a few stuff and they just want every single redocument every single thing they want you to add stuff again and, and i'm just like they're looking for an excuse to take you off right that's at least what I've, it feels like it's probably because i'm not very active on there at the moment purely because i'm not ready to do a, a mass sale on there yet mm -hmm. but yeah I, I find that ebay has become a lot easier especially now with the, if you have the ebay shop uh but the pricing is significantly lower right but then the fees are lower so it's kind of like where do you get your best return on investment, so to speak? So, because I've got some of the modular buildings, like the the diner from last year, those are the ones that I've already kind of put up there, hoping that they will sell at some point in the near future. Yeah, and best return on investment for the least work as well. Like you know, we got to factor that in, and you know, Amazon has a lot of scalability and being able to to. There's different tools we can use for listing and pricing mm. and all sorts of different stuff, but. You know, there are other aspects that can slow down your workflow with Amazon, like more returns or more customer service problems or different yeah. things like that. And I'm not ready for fulfillment by Amazon. It will be still be fulfillment by merchants. So it, I haven't got the scale or the quantities to sell, send them through to them. So it's more because I have such a diversified portfolio. It's not like I have tons of quantities of one set I can just send to them and fulfill. So it, it would still be managed by myself so there's no real difference in terms of how you know the shipping process would go it's still managed by myself so that's why i'm kind of leading towards ebay but i'm keeping an eye on the pricing as well right so it's mm. which one which one you're going to get best and how likely is it going to sell as well gotcha and does bricklink play at all in your i have it listed on bricklink as well um but i think it, there's uh, people who are cheaper at, at the moment and that's kind of for sets like that that's how it will work um, so you got to wait for the people to, to sell that first, right? Okay. Yep. So it might take a bit longer on there and generally pricing on Bricklink is lower than it yes. is on eBay. So yeah, you, you, if you, if you expected the same return on investment, it's probably not the best place to go to sell. It is nice seeing those lower fees though. And knowing yeah. that like the customer kind of wins a little bit, you know, the customer pays a little less Bricklink yeah. will take less of a cut. The seller will it'll be similar enough in some cases in, in some cases it might work but uh, the sets that i have is such a big difference at the moment that it's it's not i have them listed on bricklink but it'll be better off selling them elsewhere <laughs> right uh-huh yep um xavier again xavier on fire um are you afraid are you getting the titanic for part of value uh no <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine parting that set out? It's going to take forever. Yeah. And, 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 and also, I don't even know how... Is that going to hit a three-to-one ratio? I doubt it, right? Because it's going to be 560 pounds. That means you're going to have a set of 1,600 pounds for 9,000 pieces. I'm not sure it will it will hit that. And especially going to be a lot of repetitive parts. And I'll just be where to put the box in storage first because I've got such a backlog of stuff to part out. 
So. That would be tempting though, right? If people did see that, you know, fifteen hundred uh, like uh, pounds for for yeah. starting this thing out. I, I will buy it if I get a deal like I did with the Millennium Falcon, but it'll probably be just to keep it for my own collection to build at some point. You know, if I can get a, a great deal on it, you know, I, I just can't say no to a good deal. That's my problem. <laughs> Which is not a bad problem for it, to be yeah. honest. But who who has space for that set? I have no idea. That, that's the biggest issue. Because I, I was in a Lego store today, actually. went to the, the Leicester Square store today, and... Um, the guy's like, oh, have you seen a new Titanic coming out? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but where to put it, right? And he's like, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah. And, and last week I went to my local store in Brighton and uh, I said, are you guys getting the, the thing for your display? He's like, no, we're not sure where to put it. So they, they're not even planning on getting it for the store display. So for the store, the store can't take it in. That's <laughs> I'm like thinking, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> so funny. So. The only place I can imagine most people would be able to put this thing is if they like hung it from the ceiling, like, you know, what you'd usually do with an X-Wing. You know, yeah. just have have those little invisible cables holding it <laughs> yeah. above the room, or maybe in two parts by hitting an iceberg. That might be the one. <laughs> oh, geez. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a funny comment somewhere. It's like, if this is the set of the Titanic, how, imagine how big the iceberg will be when they release that set. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's probably a mock that people are gonna do. Like, oh, oh yeah, companion set to the Titanic. <laughs> it's gonna be massive, though. Isn't it? It's a beautiful set, though. It is. It is. And it's long overdue. You know, yeah. it, it, there were a lot of kind of other like knockoff brands doing it for a long time. And it's great to see that it has been finally done. It, it, it is interesting, though, when you see these rumors coming up and, you know, it's pretty much some images are leaked when you go to the Lego store and I talk to the store manager. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about because they can't talk about it until it's officially released on their site. So it's it's interesting to see how they have to stick to their, uh, you know, they're under such strict rules by the Lego group. That yeah. they can't really just openly talk about it and the guy the store manager knows that i know a lot about lego and uh he's he's like nope i don't know what you're talking about and then the following week I, it was released and the goes like oh you see oh yeah he's talked about it openly yeah i've known about it for six weeks yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like i wish i could I, I wish i could just pick their brains on a lot of different things you know and sometimes they yeah they know a lot of things that they just can't tell us um, we had Paul again here. Um, so Brexit now shows the expected uh, retirement dates. Are you using and trusting these dates? What do you think, Fred? I don't trust them. I sometimes look at them because the one thing, as I mentioned, I track data and I put in all the data as well. I'm starting to track uh, the duration of the sets, how long they're active for. That's another thing that I'm having in the background. I haven't made that available yet, mm -hmm. but I want to kind of understand because there's sites like Brick Economy and things like that that have a kind of expected average life of everything, but I don't trust it. Even if you look at Brick Economy, it says expected value to go increase by X amount, and it's just you look at it it's like it doesn't make sense. Um, I like it. I'm building my own analysis. I'm doing my own tracking, and what I've learned from Brickset when I look at those dates, as soon as an item goes out of stock, it shows it as a retired set. But then when it gets back in stock, it suddenly just changes again. So you can't necessarily trust those things to do. Only time I update my retired stuff is uh, my retired dates is when it's no longer available on the Lego website or it shows as retired. Then I look at brick set because I know it's not going to update anymore. So mm -hmm. I only look at it from sets that have actually retired rather than sets that are rumored to retire because mm -hmm. I don't think we should take rumors to speculation. And the UK website of Lego actually updated a lot of the 
soon to retire said i think there's like over 100 now and good news is there's a lot of them that i have so i'm quite happy yeah. about it so. <laughs> it's it's funny yeah because like now this year we have so much more information than previous years right we have so, like a just a lot more sources of information when it comes to retirement including more official information like what we see on the, the official shop at home websites now with sets being added to retiring soon and brick set and uh, adding retiring dates right so we, we're just spoiled for information this year it wasn't always like this um when i first first started off it was all just it was trying to figure out average shelf life per theme right you know like what is the average shelf life if i'm in the latter half of the average then i think i'm close enough and then i'll i'll take a stab um, you know, now we have a lot more information, Paul, what I've seen. So we don't, I, I personally anyway, don't know the exact source of Brexit's retirement dates. Um, aside from what Fred was talking about, which is like when they say it's retired, that, that happens from like, they're refreshing it from the shop at home, um, listing. And like Fred said, it, when it, whenever it goes out of stock temporarily, that, that can be wrong. So I wouldn't trust it right away. But the upcoming dates when sets are like currently available and they're saying it's going to retire at the end of the year, I don't know particularly where they're getting that from. But from what I've seen, cross-referencing it with other sources, um, it has been in line with the other information that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So that's all I can really say on it. So I don't, I don't, I can't say like it's it's perfect because it's straight from the Lego Group. I don't know if they get it straight from Lego Group, um, but it is in line with other sources that I've seen. So take it uh take it as with a pinch of salt just like any other source that you ever use for retirement dates um all of them should be cross-referenced so you check it on Brickset. you also check it on you know any of the blogs that release the lists and you check it on your your own research on the theme uh you know the different things that you expected and you just use as many different sources you also check it with the community that that you're in you know and, and what are people seeing what are people thinking and you just use as many sources of information as possible to make those decisions and don't base it on any one place. That's my overall thoughts on that. Um, all right, so I want to take us um, toward closing out here. Fred, thank you for your time, man. It's been it's been fantastic finally hanging out, I got to say. Um, it, it's been, it, we waited too long for this. So um, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm conscious that you are in a unique position with being, you know, both a BrickLink seller who also does Lego investing um, and being relatively recent in this, right? You started just over a year ago. So, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking about doing what you're doing now. Like, we'll look at what you've been able to build in a short space of time and think, okay, well, that's what that's what I can do, right? I can, I can double down on, I can do BrickLink and use that as my kind of day-to-day -day and, um, you know, turning over to build a big inventory. And then I can put, you know, some... Um, side money or profits from BrickLink eventually when you start hitting the green into Lego investing. Uh, so, you know, it, it, what you're doing right now could be um, a goal for some people out there. So what would you say, I guess, was, you know, some challenges that you ran into or things that you would watch out for if you were starting again, um, you know, or maybe even some things that you think went really well that you would do again if you're starting again? Is, is there any kind of learnings that you've had over the last year yeah i would say if you're looking from a bricklink perspective is is plan out your space on how you're going to set up because 
it's not the parting out that's the hard work you want you're picking as easy as possible right because when you get an order of like 100 plus lots you don't want to be spending hours on picking the other day i had my biggest ever order in terms of lots it was like 600 lots nearly so that took quite a while it took a few hours to pick that so imagine if you don't have a great setup it could take more than a day potentially and you don't want to be doing that because that is going to demoralize you and you're going to say well i can't be bothered with this so you want to make sure that you keep the drive and the commitment i'd say uh for me that's not being an issue because i've been a fan of lego so you gotta i think the first thing if you're looking at it you gotta see is like is this really something you see yourself doing for a long term or just a short term because if it's a short term thing i wouldn't say just get into the brick lane just look at the lego investing and just manage your time and it's if you have a lot of spare time and you want to dedicate it then bricklink is the way to go if not then look at the investing but just bear in mind that it's going to take you a longer time to get that cash generated right so um this it's all depending on your time and your space i would say um and some of the learning is like i think if you're starting as well from an investing perspective you got to learn to be happier with the smaller rois and see it as a learning looking at learning and just building that knowledge because it's all about knowledge knowledge is power right so um the more you learn and reach out to other people and you know ask the questions i think i'm still learning every day from experience and i'm sure i'm making some mistakes along the way right so but the one thing also i would highlight is this, make sure that you you build your reputation uh like the one thing from like a brickling perspective is like i've got on the three platforms I sell on, I got a hundred percent rating on all three of them. So, and I've got lots wow. of reviews, right? So, on like eBay, I got of like nearly two hundred reviews, and like Bricklink, I got seven hundred forty-three orders, and Brick out over two hundred. So, and all of them are a hundred percent. And I think when people see that, they trust. Okay, this guy is going to send it. And I think in a way, it also helps that I've got a YouTube channel because they can see this is what I'm actually doing, right? So, I let people know whenever they place an order check out my channel if you've got any concerns or anything like that. So, and, and I'm available people, you know, that interactive thing is important because you need to keep the communication channels open and you will make mistakes. And sometimes it's mistakes that the customers are going to face, but you got to own the mistakes and fix them because that's what people ultimately remember because you don't want to give them a bad feeling about it. So I've got a lot of repeat customers and sometimes I've made mistake with, even with those when I sent the wrong part, but then I was like, okay, own the mistake. I see I made a mistake here's the part and I'll send it to you for free kind of thing. Right. So things like that, sometimes you have to do, cause it's all about the customer service. It's all about how you react. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Like that's one of the hardest things sometimes when you're a reseller is just, you know, biting your tongue when you get a, a, a customer, you know, especially if it's a difficult customer who's, mm. You know, or why is my package not left the post office and different things and, like and, this? Yeah, and that's the that, that's the side you don't see necessarily on on uh, you know on YouTube where people think, oh, this brickling thing is is an easy thing. No, I I'm in here many hours every evening that I'm sitting here and just you know working on it and like parting out, adding stuff to the store, like sorting things out, maybe sometimes reorganizing things or you know continuously doing so, some updates. And that's what people don't necessarily see. And they think this is all hunky dory, just picking an order and uh, we'll send it out, we'll make the money. No, there's a lot of work that goes into in terms of the data analysis that I do as well every month. Mm -hmm. I track over 600 sets all manually. And yeah. the reason why I do that is because I know there's a benefit for me to make my right decisions going forward, right? So there's, I take it to that level that for me, I know I have to do that to make the right decisions to help it become a success. Yeah, I mean, there's so many opportunities with how many different sets have we got out there, right? There's so many different opportunities that you you know you could be buying, 
yeah. putting your money into the best opportunities obviously will fast track um, yeah. your success. So, and that's all about data. It's all about understanding um, the the different kind of numbers uh, beneath it all. And Fred, um, as you look forward, then I guess uh, you know what's how does the future look for you both on the the, you know the the BrickLink and investing side, and for Hillian's Bricks, your YouTube channel. Uh, what are some of your plans, or how are you thinking about? Um, you know, are you are you hoping to grow? I'm um, definitely you know? focusing more on on the YouTube. I would say because I think the BrickLink now is kind of like established. I I will struggle to grow probably beyond two hundred fifty thousand pieces in this room, but I still buy sets and I just hold them till kind of like when I set sell out. I kind of replenish with sets that I have at the moment. Uh, although sometimes I even part out some of the minifigures quite early on just to add those minifigures and, and sell them because sometimes the minifigures alone will pay back the set. So it's uh, things like that that you, you generate some quick cash as well, right? Because I parted out the the new Queer Eye set. So, and I didn't even think that was going to do quite well, but I purely got that for the minifigures and for the, the new white masonry bricks. And I know there's lots of them in there. So, and I did, that doesn't even hit the three to one ratio, but I know those parts will probably be popular. So sometimes you take a gamble on things like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, I've got lots of plans, right? So uh, as I said, when I do something, I try to be big, you know, go big or go home, right? So that's 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 my motto, and I don't see myself limiting myself if I if I can grow. Um, my limiting factor is time and space at the moment, but who yeah. knows what the the future will bring, right? So. Uh, that's why I kind of focus a bit more time on my YouTube now. Um, one thing I like doing on my YouTube channel is also like doing giveaways. And I've noticed lots of people love that because yep. <laughs> um, and, and, and we, we do it a bit with the support of the, uh, the whole community as well. Right. So that's what we try and do. And I said already to some people, like once I hit 5000 subscribers, I'm going to hit a new chat create a new channel just purely dedicated to giveaways because I know so many people are after <laughs> that. Wow. So. <laughs> That's an idea. Wow. Fantastic. All right. So yeah, I mean, if uh, if anyone has not seen Fred's YouTube channel, go and check out Hillian's Bricks. Um, I had a little banner here. Let me pull that up. Check out Hillian's Bricks on YouTube. Um, I also have a link in the description uh, below. And check out Fred's um, part of, if you're interested in BrickLink, check out his part of value videos, which are, are, are amazing. They're ranking basically. The, uh, the current best value uh, pile out sets, yeah. which I think- There's really a big difference between the US and the UK, you will see there. And that's that's always what fascinates me. And it's something that I'm gonna look into what kind of like drives that as well. Um, yes. Because there there's, it's is it either A, the, the US market are paying more for the bricks, so it inflates it, or is it purely because the, the pricing is lower for the set? There's, I think it's a mix of both um, that kind of drives that. And also the US doesn't have the sales tax, whereas in the UK, we've got the VAT that's kind of embedded in the RRP. So it's kind of right. like sways those things as well. So there's lots of different factors that kind of thing. But it always looks to me like the top 10 in the US, they've all got more than a ratio of three to one. Whereas in the UK, I think there's only like one or two sets that have the three to one ratio if you look at it from an RRP perspective. But then that's probably also why in the UK we get a lot more sets discounted, like 30, 40% quite regularly on Amazon. Whereas when I look on Amazon.com, you know, most often you get 20, 25%. And that's kind of like the limit, right? A lot of the time, unless there's like a, a special event going on. Interesting. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. That's, yeah, it, it is interesting to hear about the differences. And, you know, hopefully you'll be making a bit, I'm, I'm sure you'll be making a video if you do have any like crazy findings as you analyze that further. Yeah. 
it's definitely on my to-do list to analyze that. All right, good stuff. Um, all right, so go check out Fred um, at Hillian's Bricks and the more recent vlogs as well, which I love seeing. Fred, thank you so much for being here, man. I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I think I've learned a lot. I think everyone watching has probably learned a lot um, from this chat. So thanks for sharing with us. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, Jay.